Welcome, foolish mortals, <laughs> to our first episode of the Dolabin Dreams podcast. I'm your host, your ghost host, <laughs> Maddie Limerick, and each episode will take a deep dive into the Disney vault. Today is Halloween, and me and my other 999 ghoulish friends are looking to make it an even thousand, so we'll be revisiting the 2003 live-action Disney film, The Haunted Mansion. Today, as always, I'll be joined by a guest, and in the Doom Buggy for today's ride, we have costume designer Allison White. As you will come to learn on this show, the road to a film's release can start decades before we even hear its name. In this case, the path to the Haunted Mansion, the movie, begins in the early 1990s. Let's set the scene. At this time, Disney is under the leadership of former Paramount president Michael Eisner, and the company just came out of a period known as the Disney Dark Age. If this phrase stumps you, don't worry, we'll talk about it a lot in our next episode, so stay tuned. Anyway, back to business. Though The Little Mermaid turned a page for the company, it would take Disney years to recover from the less-than-stellar reviews and financial returns from this time period. All of these elements combined led Disney to look internally for film inspirations, and I settled onto a fan-favorite attraction at all three Disney parks at the time. Disneyland, Disney World, and Tokyo Disney Resort. And that's how the Haunted Mansion, the movie, would get its origin story. The first attempt at a Haunted Mansion movie script would be helmed by Sheila Greenberg and Jim Hill, whose concept followed many unused original concepts from the attraction, including a sea captain ghost character who's virtually non-existent in the final version of the American ride, though he can now be found in the queue of the Walt Disney World attraction. When the script finally went to option, Disney was trying to decide between turning it into a movie or turning it into a fully interactive video game. A 90s computer game. Honestly, the horror that could have been is just chilling. <laughs> but the box office bomb of the 1993 now cult classic Hocus Pocus made Disney stop the Friends development in its tracks. Let's fast forward to 1997. A fourth version of the Haunted Mansion opened under the name Phantom Manor at Euro Disney in Paris five years before. And at the same time, The Wonderful World of Disney broadcast an episode based on the beloved Disney MGM Studios attraction, The Tower of Terror. After this episode received mild success, Disney reached out again to Greenberg and Hill to see if they could repurpose the Haunted Mansion film project for TV. For this iteration, The Haunted Mansion on screen, they tapped Keystone Productions to work on the made-for-TV film, only to quickly cancel it. The cost factor alone was far too high for a single episode of a moderately successful Sunday night program. But interest would return quickly to the property in early 2000s as a surge of interest in films based on attractions began. Mission to Mars, I know, The Country Bears, and Pirates of the Caribbean. So, pre-production began in 2001. This version would have David Berenbaum tapped to write and Rob Minkoff sat to direct. 2002 would see the release of an official press release about the film where the world will learn that stars Eddie Murphy and Jennifer Tilly would be at the forefront of the film. According to Park Ride History on YouTube, this press release is where suspicions began that this film would start deviating from the original storyline that was beloved by the public. In October of 2003, the film would open in cinemas to lackluster reviews and fan response. The lack of connection to the ride was heavily apparent, and many critics would comment that it wasn't scary or funny enough for any kind of real, genuine reaction. And while not well-received critically, it was technically success in the eyes of the company, where the $90 million budget grossed over $182 million worldwide at the box office. 
Before I bring our guest, I want to talk a little bit about where it all went wrong. One of my favorite quotes I found was, how can a movie about a ride miss the whole point of the ride? It's hard, if not frankly impossible, to compare the Haunted Mansion movie to another attraction-based movie that opened the summer of the same year, Pirates of the Caribbean. The YouTube Entertainment Critique Channel Network 1901 had this to say about it in their December 2018 video. Unlike its counterpart in the 2003 Pirates, Haunted Mansion seems to hack away at the integrity of its attraction for a completely different feel. And while Pirates took liberties throwing Easter eggs from the attraction to help ground us in a world, it still has the spirit of the ride at its core. Haunted Mansion has nods toward the ride, but the tone of it is so off that it doesn't seem to translate the same spirit. Woof. Now, in my opinion, Pirates also utilizes the ride in order to help create a world that an audience is fully immersed in. Then they rely on the talents of the actors to propel us into a really dynamic story and cinematic experience. However, back to the mansion. Some of the issues can be followed back to a script leak that happened in early 2003, where it became painfully obvious that a completely different film was written than the one we actually got. Now, writer Jim Hill, yes, that's Jim Hill, the one who penned the early 1990s version and the TV version. Well, he released leaked script parts on his website. He ran um, a Disney blog. And there he points out key moments and character names from the well-known ride and even commended writer David Berenbaum for the connection to the ride and really building on real pieces of the ride mythos. So at this point, you're asking, well, Maddie, what happened? How can this script that seemed to work so well it just turned into utter trash? Well, don't worry, dreamers. I think I have an answer. So the beginning of the script is very similar to the movie we did get. Master Gracie falls in love with a servant woman in his home. He ends up hanging himself after mysterious confusion with her death. And then this version of the film also opens on a real estate broker, Jim Evers. Though this Jim Evers is more passionate about getting ahead in real estate than just being a workaholic. Now, with the promise of promotion, he takes his family to a mysterious estate where he thinks it's going to make him look better with his boss to have his family there. Now, this decision ultimately leads Jim and company to discover hidden passages and meet Madame Leota, who tells him he needs to release the spirit of a dead bride by the 13th hour. They will be doomed to remain in the mansion forever. Ever, 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 ever. Now, the rest of the story is roughly the same, but it includes development of characters and plot points that we didn't get in the final film. And most of the characters, we only get a brief glimmer of. According to the Hill article, in true Disney fashion, apparently the company just lost faith in this version of the script. They gutted its serious plot points and decided to pump it full of jokes and cheap humor. It also seemed that the cheap jokes and ad-libs that they let star Eddie Murphy put in while they shoehorned just kind of cheap shots from the ride were more important than immersing the audience into a world of the ride that would kind of help tell them the story better. So now we can only look at the Pirates film longingly and wonder what could have happened if only the same faith in our swashbuckling friends had been given to our dearly departed ghost friends. Now we've got to take a short break, so sit tight in your doom buggy and we will be right back. Each episode, I'm going to do a small store spotlight, and these are fan-run stores whose products I just love and I really think you will love too. Now, for our first episode, I couldn't think of anyone else I wanted to feature more than Motley Kingdom. 
Now, Motley Kingdom is an Orlando-based store that is the creative outlet for its creator, Joey. His art is inspired by Disney, and his main focus in coming up with the store was to fill a fashion-focused void that he thought was missing with fan-run stores. With a shop that's full of 80s and 90s-inspired flair and wear, you will want to add at least one of these items to your next trip to the parks. Check them out now on Instagram at Motley Kingdom and at their website, MotleyKingdom.com. And for Doll Whip and Dreams listeners, for the month of November, get 15% off at checkout when you enter code DOLE. That's right, 15% off at checkout for the month of November when you enter code DOLE, D-O-L-E. We'll be posting some of our favorite Motley Kingdom items over on the blog at dolewhipanddreamspod.com. Now back to the magic. Welcome back, dreamers. I'm so excited to introduce the first guest ever for Doll Whip and Dreams. She has ridden the mansion with me at least 25 times. She's also a freelance costume designer and a lifelong Disney fan. Allison White. Allison, welcome so much to the show. Thanks. I'm excited to be here. I love Disney, and I uh, don't know what else to say. <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's totally okay. So this movie lives in infamy, and even for most Disney hardcore fans, just don't like it. Why do you think that is? They didn't know what movie they were making. <laughs> thousand percent. I, you know what? I agree with you a thousand like, percent. It's just it, every intention was there. They, it was. It's. It's there, but it's not there. It's. Part horror movie, part comedy with Eddie Murphy, part Ghostbusters. Like, you, they didn't know what they were making. And it seems like there were many versions that all got smushed together. And then they went, this doesn't work. Let's edit it to see if we can make it work. Yeah. Uh, here you go. Please. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it didn't help that they had started the process in the 90s and for some reason didn't go with that original script again in the early 2000s there. You know, I mean, Disney shifted to that point. Jeffrey Katzenberg had left. Michael Eisner was on his way out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just weird. And I think the worst part is that Pirates opened in the summer of 2003 and then this opened in October of 2003. I love Pirates. And I love Pirates too. Especially, well, Pirates the first one, not the Pirates 2 is bad, but the Pirates the first one, I think it's a perfect example of how to adapt a, a ride into a film. They did it well. And we talked, I talked about that a little bit earlier in the episode, but this just... Oh, it falls short. And, you know, when I think about The Haunted Mansion, I automatically think it would make a great film. Like, it just seems to me like it would be a a good film. But, like, they just missed the mark. And I think, you know, a lot of it is when you bring in, you know, you've got Eddie Murphy on one and Johnny Depp on the other. And we know Johnny Depp is difficult to work with now, but I think a lot of that is from the Pirates fame, where Eddie Murphy was at the end of the peak of his career, where he was going into that second wave of his career. And Eddie Murphy does a very specific type of comedy Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that is not always necessarily appropriate to Disney. Right. And so them trying to, like, force him into a role where he has to be family-friendly but also still try to be funny doesn't seem very much like Eddie Murphy. Like, if you've seen any of his other movies... They're all very funny, but, like, not in a Disney way. Well, and, like, he'd even just done Shrek. And I think even Shrek 2 might have just come out at this point or was about to come out where, you know, they're riffing on Disney. So they could be a little – there is some adult humor that goes over kids' head in Shrek. Um, I think it's why Shrek is – 
really aged well. But it's one of those things that I think Murphy also, because he is a funny guy and he did bit comedy so well on SNL and he was a stand-up, he still brings to the plate where he wants to have some suggestions. He wants to have some of those things. And so when they're taking out the serious moments and putting in probably a lot of what Murphy suggested, it's where we were losing him. I feel like he might not have ever ridden the ride. Maybe. I don't know. There was something I read in like going through and rewatching this film and reading about it that said that Disney really wanted to make this film right after Ghostbusters came out. And they were like really excited about it. And but they would only greenlight it if one of the four guys from Ghostbusters agreed to do the movie. <sighs> and then they be- they like put it on the back burner because they couldn't get them. And so it feels like this movie, their comedy style might have fit a little bit more uh-huh. into what uh-huh. what they're going for, or either they should have just kicked the comedy out and made it a serious film about you know the loss and the love of these two characters, which feels a lot more like the ride and a lot more mm-hmm. like what's happening in the story of the ride. And just left Eddie Murphy out of it. I mean, I love Eddie Murphy. I think his movies are hilarious, but this just doesn't feel like his style. Yeah, yeah. and I'll say the same thing. So, because you know me well, and Madame Leota is one of my favorite parts oh, of I the Haunted Mansion. She's so cool. She's actually and, my favorite part of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> Jennifer well, Tilly. Well, and what's Jen- funny is Jennifer Tilly is very funny, but she works in this version of the film. But I think without Eddie Murphy, she wouldn't have worked. Maybe. Um, also, it's one of those things that they're, Disney does this thing where they, they put in a lot of pop culture humor specifically of the time. And and it's it's a little off in this film. It's like, okay, I think we could, you know, the kids could probably be there for the pop culture. Everybody else should be kind of blissfully unaware. But it's funny talking about the Ghostbusters guys because I can't. I can't imagine who I'd want them to play or, I mean, to me, it just kind of makes sense to see Harold Ramos, Dan Aykroyd, and, um, um, oh, why am I blanking? Zombieland. Uh, 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 oh my God. Fans, do not kill me. But seeing the three of them <laughs> as the hitchhiking ghosts, that would have been very funny. But I feel like... Rick Moranis. Rick, oh, Rick Moranis would have been great. Any Potts would have been great in this. Yeah. Like, they could have just pulled everybody over. Yeah. I'm just saying Sigourney Weaver would have been a great Madame Leota. Yes. If we just pulled them together. But, you know, it's, it's also at the time, Ghostbusters was so popular. And so there was no way Disney was going to get them. And they had a point where like most of them weren't acting anymore. Yeah. Though, I know Rick Moranis retired and um, Harold Ramos has now um, passed, passed away, away since, yeah. since those films. And I just, I can't Bill, Bill Murray Bill or Murray, that's Harold, was, yeah. Ray, like Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd are both still with us, but like, I don't know if either of them really could have made this movie work either. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think it's another situation where if we turn the movie more internally to the mansion and maybe had a single character that comes into the mansion, um, that we could have probably made a way to uh, work this. But I agree with you that I think there's there's some things that are funny about the ride because we find them funny, and you know they needed to create 999 ghosts, so of course some of them are going to be funny. But when you really think about it, they're a lot of them are terrifying. Like Constance Hatchway, who is now a like part of the ride, is 
terrifying. I mean, she kills all um, four of her husbands. All four of her with husbands. A um, I mean, you've got the dueling paintings in the in the in the party room. You've got yeah. the, the the malevolent organist. So the, it's one of those things that I think, as a non horror person, I can't believe that I'm saying I wanted them to lean into the horror a little more. But even just a thrill ride. Just if you if you make yeah. it a little more suspenseful, because it's a whole thing. Haunted Mansion is just kind it, of. If they had made it about the caretaker, mm-hmm. <gasps> who we see the in the mm-hmm. ride with his dog, and mm-hmm. he is actually in the film. There is a, a mm-hmm. tiny glimpse of him in the mm-hmm. in the graveyard when they go past in the hearse. But like, if they had made the film about him and his caretaking and. Mm-hmm sort of leaned into both the romance story and the fact that they were ghosts, mm-hmm. it, it could have been a more, like, compelling... I, yeah. don't, I don't know what it is. Like, yeah, I think even... I, I mean, I know even then there wasn't as much outside of the, the hardcore Disney fans. The Hotbox Ghost was in Legend, but he wasn't back in the ride yet in Disneyland and we never have had him in the ride unfortunately in Florida and so for me I always go back to the Hatbox Ghost um, is he malevolent is he not is he like the Phantom from Phantom Manor where he's kind of controlling a lot of these things um you know, but I think it's one of those things that there's about a thousand what ifs, and I'm not sure any of them would be better but we'll you know we'll, we'll get back to that um, you know after a while and but I will say it's not all bad. No, not it's, at all. The movie's not all bad. Um, you know, the, the, some of the actors like Terrence Stamp and the fellow that plays um, Master Gracie are like exemplary theater actors and do really wonderful work. And then I mean, and Wallace Shawn is always delightful. Yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I mean, in his eyes, was so sweet. He's so um, sweet. He just wants to do his job. Their characters are so delightful, and I really even if maybe it had been centered around them. It would have been really nice. Yeah, I think that or, would have definitely brought a little more heart to yeah. it. I think, or you know what I think even could happen in today is we do a flashback and forward of maybe it is a, a relative that comes in that does have to release it, but we're splitting back and forth and doing time jumps and we're getting a little Downton Abbey version of Haunted oh. Mansion of when the mansion was still bright yeah. and sunny Their and then we're seeing confuses me. the period confuses me but Disney's periods always confuse me because it's like they do just enough research of a period yes well this one is particularly confusing I was watching it and I was going what is what is happening right now yeah. because her wedding gown and his uh uniform for the wedding scene are very Napoleonic mm-hmm. very like early 1800s but this manner is is not and neither is the ball mm-hmm. and i get that the ball is probably a fancy dress like costume ball mm-hmm. but then what what Terrence Stamp's character has on and what the maid and and Emma and Ezra are wearing just none of it really goes together no. and so it's very strange I was like I don't know what is well, happening and in, right the, in the ride that works because every ghost would come to the mansion at a different, a different time, time and period and that's what we kind of love um, and you know I love those swirling ball gowns switch out every time we get new princess uh, dresses in yes, the parades it's beautiful I mean and that you know it's just one of those things but I think that's one of those things now you and I talked about and I would like to go into that now is that the production design is actually what makes this film this movie is beautiful it is so beautiful (laughs) and it really actually really fun to watch just from a visual standpoint I'm for for everyone out there I'm hard of hearing so a lot of times with films that aren't mixed well or on my tv I can't hear well even with captions up I 
tend to just watch the film <laughs> and if, if I'm losing a lot of the dialogue and things. And this was one that I also kind of emotionally checked out of about halfway through, but I knew I needed to watch it for you all because I wanted to bring a good episode. But, you know, I just kept going. And, you know, I'm Allison and I are both getting our, our MFAs in costume design this year, and we've, we've got some experience. And so I always love something that I just enjoy watching. And even with the period kind of meh, yeah. um, that it's even the sets with everything. Uh, that um, mansion is... Beautiful. beautiful. It's absolutely beautiful. And you brought up before you started recording the makeup design, oh. which is cool because that, that zombie part Those, is actually really scary. Yes. Like, really scary. So I watched the special features on the DVD uh, after I watched the, sh- the the movie, and they were talking to Rick Baker, who's the, the makeup designer, and he's done so many things. He's, like, legendary in the world of horror and special effects makeup. He did, for, for anybody who doesn't know, he also did uh, Michael Jackson's uh, thriller. He was responsible for the werewolf transformation, as well as all of Captain EO. And we love um, Captain EO here. We love Captain EO. <laughs> uh, you know, as well as several other Disney films and uh, the the original Star Wars. And, like, he's been around forever. And this was actually one of his... Um, relatively last uh, films he he just retired very recently um, Maleficent was actually one of his his last films the, the first one um, but his work on those zombies is amazing um, if you watch the if you have the DVD and watch the extra special features you can watch him and his team sort of create these zombie mm-hmm. characters and him talk about the design of them and how Disney really asked him to be to go for that scary because he originally designed them in a way that they were more Disney family mm-hmm, friendly mm-hmm. and they were like, no, no, this is scary. Like mm-hmm. make them scary. And just watching him work and the things that he creates and the, the technical brilliance of how they create them and how they make them function. They had a whole like zombie training class with the extras who played the zombies and um, so that they got the real, like, naturalistic movement of them and stuff. They weren't just guys climbing out of coffins. They were really zombies climbing out of coffins. Well, and this was just before the big zombie craze that we would get the influx of. I know we'd already had zombie movies, but... You guys have to admit that in the early 2000s, we got a huge influx of zombie films. There were a lot of zombies. Well, and they haven't quite stopped, and they kind of come together in The Walking Dead and whatnot, but... And in Zombieland, but... But yeah, no, I think, and I think that's a key where if they had actually leaned in a little more and done a few more actual scary moments that like, it's enough for a family to deal with, but like, it still leaves you feeling a little like, Oh, Oh, oh what's oh, no. going to happen? Well, and it's also hard. Cause like just before that, we've, we've seen the graveyard scene, which is, you know, kind of the penultimate scene of the ride where we're seeing everyone and that makeup is fine. It's fine. It's, you know, it's the dark eyes with the, the ghoulish skin, um, yeah, you know, different all, things. Um, they, they talk about them as well. And they're all like CG. Mm-hmm. They're, they're real live. They're live people that they've made up, um, in these prosthetic makeups and things. And then, um, they shoot the whole background mm-hmm. and then they shot all of them individually in a blue screen. So they were actually just like put Superimposed, in. yeah. So well, <laughs> I feel like some of that blue screening actually made us lose because this is just before we're getting HD filming mm-hmm. and a lot of those things. And I think we lose a lot of that detail. Also, because there's just so much like I've ridden this ride so many times. I love it so much. But like I still see new little things every time. Yeah. And I always, because we're in Florida, I always go, that's where the Hatbox Ghost should go. <laughs> You know, if anybody out there is Imagineering is listening, let's bring us a Hatbox Ghost. 
the 50th is coming up real soon, y'all. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, you know, I think if for no other reason people really should watch this film or give it another watch because it is beautiful. It's really cool. And it does give us some of that imagineering magic that Disney only knows how to do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, cause even like I thought the, the effects of Jennifer Tilly as Madame Leota were done really nicely cause it's 2003. It can be really slapperdash and, but like pirates, their production level was so high. Yes. Um, but they did that thing where they kept those, you know, the, the skeleton crew a secret for so long in that film. Oh, they're also um, terrifying. They're terrifying. And I think to me, pirates is scarier than this. And Definitely. now, you know, it's, it was the difference in rating and kind of what they were trying to do. But I think. Uh, I think uh, the the design is beautiful, and I think that the rest of the film kind of lets it down. And, and I will say the cast, with the exception of Murphy, even these kids, they give a thousand percent to really make you want to love this movie. And it just doesn't. They tried so hard. They tried so, uh. so hard. And I think it comes down to this idea of effective choices versus ineffective choices. It's not right or wrong, but. And there was just a lot of ineffectiveness because Disney does this thing more than anyone else, I think, where they end up losing faith in a project about halfway through um, that they're really worried about the money. Because this was $90 million for this movie. It was massive. Like, I knew it was expensive to make this uh, this movie um, just from, from all the things. But it's one of those things when we're comparing it to Pirates right now um, – Oh, they lumped them together, but it was like 174 billion or yeah, 1.274 billion for all five pirates films. But if we're looking at the black, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, that was 140 million. I see every penny of that on, on screen. It is so wildly effective in how they spend their money. Now this one, I, I just, no, again, Theater, we work on a much smaller scale. It's a much more intimate thing. We are oftentimes, ex- uh, we, we bring, we, we wave our fairy wands and we bring <laughs> magic to stage. Directors think we're magic. Directors think we're magic. Uh, uh, but it's also because we, I've, I've worked with some of the most brilliant designers in, in my career uh, that I just, I love what they can do, which is even far and above what I can do as a designer, but I, and we just love it. But it's when I'm thinking about that pure amount of money is so daunting to me, just that amount of money. But then to see, you can see where it was used and you can see where it wasn't used and maybe where it could have been spread out a little more. The thing that gets me, and I want to bring this up because it's really weird. That car is like a standard middle of the road. BMW. It is. It's a BMW. And I was like, uh, he's really protecting this car, but this is very much like a working class person's car. Well, that's who he is. And he is working class, but I feel like... He's the upper end of the Well, and this this version of Jim is different than the Jim they originally wrote. And that Jim was definitely salt of the earth working his way up, where this one was just the workaholic because he liked the nice things. But... He wanted to keep those nice things. But I think, I think they could have... The only thing in the design that I go... Meh, is the car isn't as flashy as I think it could be. And that's the one thing that I think there'd be something. And they did it a really muted color. 
Like I would love it to be a bright color so that way when it's literally crashing through that window, or bright red, it's bright red. It would make yeah, sense yeah. for his character too. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So it's he bought what would he considers a flashy car, yeah. which is just a standard BMW, yeah. but like yeah. in a bright red color. So, so what are some things that you love about the ride that you saw that were completely left out, or that you think we maybe missed an opportunity to kind of lean in on? I don't know. I mean, the majority of the, like, moments in the ride exist in this film. Mm -hmm. You've got the clock that goes to 13 with the fingers. You've got the ballroom. You've got Leota, and you have... There's a little bit of the the bride and the attic. It's it's a they spin it a little differently yeah. though. And then we get the the big graveyard scene. I do miss the uh, the caretaker and his dog a mm-hmm. bit. Like I feel mm-hmm. like them being ghosts as well sort of takes away from mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. presence in the ride um, because you know they're terrified. They're mm-hmm. shaking mm-hmm. little animatronics, um, but. I mean, they really do hit most of the main rooms of the ride. Mm-hmm. I feel like they could have spent a lot more time on some mm-hmm. of them, though. Like, the amount of time and money and energy they spent producing that two-second clip. <laughs> it's more than two seconds, but it feels like two seconds. The two-second look of the, the graveyard mm-hmm. just feels like mm-hmm. a missed opportunity mm-hmm. to do something that could have been really interesting. Because that is sort of the penultimate ride goal of the ride is to get to this place where all of the ghosts are. So the fact that they sort of skip over that makes it feel like, oh, this doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and they even had the hitchhikers, which I thought was very cute. <laughs> it's, a, it's a little funny moment when they're like, you can't see us. Yeah. Uh, but they can, you can, you can definitely yeah. see them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah like, everything is there. It just feels like everything was very glossed over. Mm-hmm. Well, it was. The one thing I missed, though, was the wallpaper. Oh. It's a very specific wallpaper. And it's in not the in the ride, movie and at it's all. It's not in the movie at it's all. It's not there at all. Well, and something that I thought really... Or at least really, not the place where I noticed it. I didn't feel like the mansion was alive. I didn't feel like the mansion itself was haunted. I didn't... Because the whole thing is there are so many ghosts... But they're all outside. But they're all in that back graveyard. That's the whole thing. Um, and uh, oh God, it's just that moment of shoehorning something in because you want it there and for an audience to go, oh, well, at least we got to see that instead of using those moments because then they could have left some things out. Or I would have really liked to see the Butler character, the Terrence Stamp, uh, Stamp character, just really when he died. Francis. Yeah. Um, when he died, that he physically is controlling that house and he is calling all of their shots. Because yeah, I would love to see, like, beautiful. the portraits that switch in the it hallway. Would, we yeah. see them. But I would love to see, like, the Catwoman physically come out and try to grab the kids. Some some more not jump scare things, but things where we see, you know, we see water flash. We, we see the house physically feels like it has a yeah. breath. And there, the crows are there, but they're not, or the ravens, but they're not actually serving a purpose which it's also you know then that story really has gotten cut from the ride over the years but um you know it's uh it's 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 such a missed opportunity but you know it's that was 2003 so you know what and you know despite what we might have liked about it you know 
we have to kind of look at what everybody else thought. Now, Rotten Tomatoes wasn't around quite yet in 2003, but they've still compiled everything now. Um, it has a critical rating of 13%. That does not surprise me. A critic me. rating with a fan rating of 30%. Okay. I'm, I'm going to read you guys some reviews just because I thought it was really funny. Um, and so I'm going to tell you who wrote these and where it was from. Uh, so you don't think I'm just being catty. Uh, the first one is of uh, Roger Roper of Ebert and Roper, who just said, it's dreadful. I mean, and Siskel and Ebert and then Ebert and Roper kind of like they were the, the opinions of film. So like, um, but then we had Lou Lemonick of the New York Post, uh, who said the advertising slogan of the Haunted Mansion warns, check your pulse at the door. Pretty cheeky for a movie that flatlines for almost all of the 98 minutes. I'd ooh, ooh, sip that tea. Um, and then the, la- the last one murders me. And it doesn't surprise me that it comes from the Village Voice, um, which is a now defunct uh, kind of counterculture paper for, for years from New York City. This is from writer Brian Park. And he says, Rob Minkoff has directed a movie that's nearly laughless and nowhere near as frightening as what happened to Eddie Murphy's career. I'm going to let y'all sit in that for a second because... Damn, that is just, oh man, that they, you know, what's funny is like when they, when I find when reviewers are apathetic about something, it is, oh, well, it was nice. But when they hate something like shit, this is, oh, it is nearly laughless and nowhere near as frightening as what happened to Eddie Murphy's career. Y'all, I hope nobody crashed while you're driving your car because it is... (laughs) Oh, it's so, it's so savage, and like I can't be mad about it. No, he would go on after this to do Dreamgirls, which is one of I think might be my favorite Eddie Murphy performance. That and Donkey, um, but like man, I do love him in Coming to America. Oh, Coming to America is great. I'm excited They're for the sequel. I'm, so, I'm excited for, so excited. You know, honestly, back. more for the costume design than anything else because now what? now that I mean now that she has one for Black Panther and she uh. just she's a queen. Uh, we we I think we need to do just a whole episode on her one day. She's um, wonderful. That that I just I can't give up on this because I love Haunted Mansion and it exists and it's different in every Disney park. Even if the story's the same, it's a little bit different. So it's got this really unusual thing. Um, over on our Patreon this week, we'll be talking about kind of the different uh, versions of Haunted Mansion and, and what's effective, what's ineffective, and kind of what each different park brings to that. So make sure you go check out our Patreon for that episode. So Allison, in the perfect world, if we were pitching a new Haunted Mansion story. What were some things that your pitch would involve? Because we've talked about this before. We have. We absolutely have. (laughs) And I would love to see something that sort of explains why Leota is inside the crystal ball. (sighs) Me too. And if we're leaning into this, like, southern Louisiana bayou location, which is where the, the one in Disneyland is set, um then I feel like it needs to have something to do with her family and maybe the traditions that could have potentially trapped her Mm -hmm. and those ghosts there. There are a lot of traditions in that area that could definitely like lend themselves to this story and also lend themselves to Disney potentially casting more people of color and, and the, these storylines that are not told as Mm -hmm. frequently Mm -hmm. uh, from that specific area. And so I feel like it lends itself really well to a story about um, 
different types of magic. And I think it also leans into telling those <laughs> as like their obvious stories and not the archetypes of what we think about those. Exactly. Cause like you, Disney has danced their way through a history of racist, you know, I, uh, mm-hmm. iconography, but so did a uh, lots of, you know, film companies of the time. And we've had the shadow man. Yeah. We who, see a little glimpse of, of yeah. that sort of magic idea in, in, the Shadow Man mm-hmm. and Princess and the Frog, mm-hmm. and you could definitely use this story to mm-hmm. sort of expand yeah. on those because there is definitely good and bad magic mm-hmm. in that 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 mm-hmm. uh, not religion but that like spiritual spiritual practice, practice mm-hmm. or that tradition, and it could just be a really interesting mm-hmm. investigation of who those people are mm-hmm. and what that meant to them, especially in a time period. And if you look at that area, a lot of those people came uh, to this country from Haiti. And um, when when they uh, were brought over, they brought their traditions with them. So mm-hmm. what does that sort of say? Mm-hmm. And who were these people? How were they connected to this mansion? Mm-hmm. Um it's one of my questions about who Elizabeth is this whole time. Yeah. I'm, they're like, who is she? I mean, she's beautiful. And obviously, if the mother is her essentially reincarnation, she's this beautiful a woman of color. And mm-hmm. But who was she to him in that time mm-hmm. period? Was she a maid? Because mm-hmm. like, the and- butler always refers to her as being below his station. Mm-hmm. So what does that mean? And it was fully flushed out in both the... I believe the 1990s version, but definitely in the first version of the leaked script that Jim Hill released mm-hmm. um, on his blog, where she was a servant. So it was very Downton Abbey. It was very upstairs, very downstairs. Um, I loved it. And, um, oh, oh, yes, we love mm-hmm. costume drama. But, like, that's my <laughs> thing, too, is actually, and in 2003, I'm not, you know, it's not making up for years and years and years of awful, you know, choices creatively when dealing with, with presentation of race. It was a very strong strong choice to cast this beautiful woman of color as the center love interest for for especially the time that it's taking place of of this kind of southern white presenting gentleman um and i think honestly i agree with you leaning into that um i uh allison has had to listen to me spurn on and on and on about how i want to make this a musical i know you probably just groaned out there but like hear me out um i'm not going to tell you the plot but like this idea that all of the parts of the mansion are connected and that actually maybe we don't even need to worry about Master Gracie. He was just a part of the the cogs in yep. the wheel. Um, I love focusing on the idea of Constance Hatchway now and kind of who she is in this kind of malevolent. I also love Disney villains. So to give us another Disney villain, because like, Give me any really wonderful woman playing this role. It'd be great. It'd be great, great, great. It's great Emily Blunt role. I'm just, I'm just saying. Uh, yes. I mean, she's you know, she's casting a lot for Disney, but they do like her right now. Uh, I mean, they did um, have her on contract. They did have her on contract. Yes. It's an idea. Um, but this idea of is Leota, uh, you know, does she come from that area? Did she get pulled in? Did she go to the mansion to stop her? She knows what's happening and like it's it's part of like evil witchcraft or like evil magic that Constance is doing and that's tying people to this mansion and growing her power. And then Leota goes to stop her, the hatbox ghost plays in. Um there's the idea of the original sea captain, which was thrown out of the original walkthrough attraction, who is in the 
Marvel comic they did of this. Um, not the Sin Grace one that just came out, but the, the first one they did, I believe is 2013, um, where there it's this kid gets brought to the mansion and he's having to dance around like Leotis guiding him and like the, the bride is the malevolent force. But then you've got like the hatbox ghost, which is the protector and he can freely come and go from the mansion. And then you've got, and then you've got the, the ship's captain who also is like, Trying to, it's it's very cool, and it's so it's layered, and so the mansion the ship itself captain makes sense being yeah. in the the Louisiana area, yeah. the bayou, that the port there. I mean, it makes total they sense to have even, a ship captain. Even so, uh, right now, there's we're not talking about the ride today, um, but there's some really great resources. Yesterworld just released a really really great video about um, the haunted mansion that never was, which was the original version, which was a walkthrough attraction. It's going to be be much scarier, much, much scarier. And they could even really fold that into it. And that idea that Louisiana became this giant port. Um, I mean, American Horror Story Coven proves that people want to see a little bit of a lighthearted approach at horror. And that's also in this area. And people, I mean, they're doing another sequel series of that. So I think that's something that really, you kind of hit something on the head there. There have been plenty of vampire stories set in that so area. So many, so many. And the so... ground coffins. Oh, because then, then that opens up to so many wonderful... I mean, you've got Angela Bassett on contract, Disney. Could we get Angela Bassett as Madame Leota? Could you all oh, imagine? That'd be so That great. would be amazing. Stunning. Stunning. Or if you wanted to go funny... And then if you funny, wanted to go with funny, we could do, totally do Tracy Ellis Ross. You could do Tracy Ellis Ross. You could do Whoopi. Either. You could do... There are lots of... Jennifer Lewis. Oh. We stand Jennifer Lewis in this house. We love her. Oh, we love um, her. But then, because if you're tying that maybe Leota... Like, whoever comes is actually Leota's descendant who needs to stop and Leota sealed herself there with all the ghosts Mm -hmm. and if that's the situation I don't know Um, Tessa Thompson she never does wrong in my book we like her even the new Men in Black film we won't talk about it Um, (laughs) or you know there's just you know that's a wonderful unknown role maybe when a storm from uh, Wrinkle in Time gets a little bit older she'd be great for this she's lovely you know, just any of these things. I think I think there are a thousand other ways that we could go with this and just really give a good film. But, I mean, there's... Honey uh, Mansion, it came at a time where it was actually the fifth movie released based on an attraction, which I didn't realize was, like, a thing that was happening because I didn't know Mission to Mars was a, a movie until yeah. I started doing research for this. Now, I had never gone to Disney before these movies came out. My parents went eons before and they loved it my dad talked about it my whole childhood and then i got to go and then i did a disney college program and now i go far too much um and you know what else do we have to do it's florida um and then there's you know the country bears came out at the same time which is another missed opportunity uh like and subscribe to let us know if you would like us to do you know some of these other flop attraction rides like the country bears just because i would love any chance to talk about the country bear jamboree um i mean because really in tower of terror which was a horror which was uh, a television film okay i it's it's really good. It's good. I love it's, that movie. It's good. Like it's also, it's, so it's Steve Gutenberg and Kirsten Dunst. Like you can't go wrong. Like, you really can't go wrong. It was the um, perfect late nineties, mm-hmm. early two thousands Disney TV movie. Yeah, like, and I, I do like because they wanted the original writers to retool the first Haunted Mansion script to work for you know I guess a two hour television block, three hour television block. I mean, I remember. We never missed Wonderful World of Disney unless we were at church for something, but then we still always made it. Um, but it's it's so interesting to think about what that film might have been. Now, granted, they wrote a very different... Now, I do think it's interesting that Jim Hill, 
released the, what he found of that other script, but we've never gotten a copy of the original script, which makes me go, hmm, what was that about? Was it any better? Maybe not. It was 1993. We don't really know. Mm-hmm. Um, and so why do you think all of these movies except Pirates were just less than effective or successful? Like, I know that's typically what happens when you're trying a new medium, that like one out of every five is going to work. But like, why do you think... Because really, I mean, Mission to Mars has been since defunct at, at, at the parks. Yeah. Um, I believe that's Mission Space now. It is. Yes, yes, yes. And so Mission Space, it's cool. It's whatever. Um, Tower of Terror, everyone loves. And that one was fine. Country Bears was a huge deviation. But then Pirates worked. Why, why do you think they have such a hard time putting a 5 to 12 minute attraction as a 90 minute film, two hour film? I think we're going to start with why Pirates works. <laughs> I think Pirates works because they took the idea from Mm -hmm. an actual historical Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Like, there were pirates in the Caribbean, Mm -hmm. and that's why it was so easy to create a story. Mm -hmm. And it didn't have to be exactly what the ride was, because the ride is only one portion of what... Right. Uh, what we're looking at. So, because the Caribbean islands are, there's so many and they're so spread out, and there were so many pirates mm-hmm. in that area during the, you know, that era. And so, Pirates of the Caribbean, the ride is only a small portion. So, they mm-hmm. didn't, they weren't forced to contain their entire film franchise and story to this one 12 minute mm-hmm. ride. Mm-hmm. And so they had a lot of other source material and a lot of other things to draw from and to play with and to build a world out of something that already existed. Mm-hmm. Whereas with the Haunted Mansion and Country Bears, it, they're trying mm-hmm. too hard mm-hmm. to create something out of nothing. Right. Like, yeah. If they had leaned in more with Haunted Mansion to the history and the story and the like potential the potential reality of it, it could have worked. Mm-hmm. Country Bears should have been an animated movie. Or if you're going to do it live action, do it where they're trying to keep the jamboree open and yes. some wily some wily villain type is trying to shut it down. Exactly. Tower of Terror worked because it was. Um, based in something mm-hmm. that could potentially mm-hmm. happen, mm-hmm. It, it was. It's based on things that are realistic, mm-hmm. and you know you've got your Shirley Temple and you've got your your evil butler and like you you have the archetypes of mm-hmm. the time period, and so it's it works because it's sort of grounded in something, whereas these other ones feel a little bit more like they're being forced to contain mm-hmm. themselves to the storyline that Disney built in the 50s and 60s that may or may not work mm-hmm. anymore for mm-hmm. a live-action film. Yeah. I also think they took the the visual aspects of Pirates to build the world instead of, and then giving us every once in a while, they just sprinkle those great moments in. Like the dog um, with the key. The dog with the key. Also, um, waking him up with the pigs. Exactly. They're just those little moments. Or when we go to Tartuga for the first time, and they yeah. really set it up so we get those moments where this, it feels, again, we talked about earlier, it feels like they're just jamming in the references as if you're writing past. Mm-hmm. Now, This is the point where every week I'm going to talk about how a movie stands up in 2019 or 2020. We're living in a very different time where 
things that have necessarily been okay to get away with before we're now saying, you know what, this was not right to begin with. It's not right now. Now, I will say I don't see anything too particularly problematic in this movie. No, I was waiting. Uh, the moment when Jim and, and his and Michael kill the spider, I was waiting. I was mm-hmm. like, they're going to do it. They're going to tell him to be a man. Like, mm-hmm. they're going to do it. That feels very mm-hmm. much like Disney in this era. And they did it. And it I didn't... was actually very proud of them yeah. for that. I was like, all right, you made a choice that, that still stands up today. Mm-hmm. Like, you're just teaching mm-hmm. him to be brave. brave. Yep. And that's important for everyone. And, and then the sister comes in and is like, go away. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're happy um, out. Yeah, yeah. no, I, re- I really like his journey. And I think they did a really nice job of not defending of not using some of those very gendered terms that we try to use with kids or, mm-hmm. or that have just been so you know, good generationally ingrained um, and, and, and that kind of thing. Now, I think the beautiful thing about Mansion is it seems like it's a period story. It's a period piece. But it's really not. It tries to be it, that it's not. Well, but then it also comes the the ride comes from all sorts of different points in time. So Constance right. is really the and Gracie are the only things that are grounded in history in a very specific time, mm-hmm. and of course in very true Disney fashion, we're like it's this ish. We it's could guess fairy tale. Fairy tale ish. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those things of with air quotes. <laughs> we could we could put it anywhere, probably from eighteen something to nineteen something, early you, nineteen something. You, you could make a choice though. Like I feel mm-hmm. like this is an opportunity that they missed. Mm-hmm. They could have made a very specific choice and said, "All right, and everyone needs to be in this period." Mm-hmm. Um, doesn't matter which one. Just pick one. Yeah. Um, and uh, in a period in which the story still makes sense or like the backstory still makes yeah. sense. Um, and it was fine. Like it would be fine, but they, yeah. they didn't. So yeah, no, I, I, I agree with you there. Now my question is it's been mm, almost 20 years since this film, which is really weird to think about because it yeah. means it's almost been 20 years since I graduated high school. But do you think there's room for an, a new original Haunted Mansion movie? That starts over as if the first one never existed? I think so. I think we could... With the with the way that Disney is going right now, I feel like that would be something that they could totally pull off and, and just pretend the other one doesn't exist, which we all know they're going to do. Now, um, now, do we think it's... Now, this is the big Disney question because we own Marvel and Star Wars now and Fox. Is it, <laughs> do you see this as being a franchise? Could you franchise Haunted Mansion? I think you could, but it would be weird. I don't know if I'd want to. I don't think I want them to, but I feel like you could potentially, like if you wanted to focus on specific stories mm-hmm. within the mansion, mm-hmm. like maybe there's one that's about Leota and maybe mm-hmm. there's one that's about the Hatbox Ghost. And like, mm-hmm. So you're telling the stories of the mm-hmm. mansion versus just... Mm-hmm all of them at one time to me to me it sounds like a movie that then is a disney plus series after that yes. that you can still have so we're beating around the bush because the last bit is 
In 2010, Guillermo del Toro has been tapped uh, to write and produce, in his words, also hopefully direct, a new version of The Haunted Mansion based on the attraction. Oh, now, so good. In a 2014 video on the red carpet at San Diego Comic-Con, he spoke very candidly about the project. He really wants to direct because he has a specific vision for the house and for the ghosts and how he feels they've never been utilized before, which literally just kind of gets like... Butterflies in my stomach. I'm so excited and terrified of it at the same time. No, I didn't realize how big fan he was of Haunted Mansion. And he has a man cave, which is actually a small home uh, where he does all of his work that is down the street from his family home. And in it, he has a hidden room behind a bookcase that is his Haunted Mansion room. He has gargoyles from the ride. He has wallpaper from the ride. He even has a hatbox ghost. I, I like to think that he has the missing Hatbox Ghost from Disneyland um, that, that went missing uh, just after the opening uh, that's been in and out. But now we have a shiny new one that's really cool. But I think this could be the turning point for to set a new bar for attraction-based films. Um, I mean, the Jungle Cruise trailer came out last week, two weeks ago, and it looks phenomenal. It looks like, so it looks good. So I'm good. so excited. Leaning into that, you know, that idea of, uh, well, I'm sure I'll do a review this summer when it comes out, but it comes out in the summer of 2020. And I know Disney and Del Toro have just been kind of waiting for his schedule to work so he can direct it. Now, I did see at one point that Ryan Gosling was tied to it. I hope that it has now since been too long for that because... No, please no. What what are they gonna do with him? Oh, like what what? I guess he'd be Gracie. I don't know where he could oh, be. Fine. He could come into Whatever. it. I just find him kind yeah. of boring and milk toast. Like Yes, but he is a Disney kid and has been originally. A yeah. Originally, I don't know if they have him under contract for anything right know. now, though. I mean, they could. If, if they we want... have Ryan Reynolds, I don't care what you're going to do with him. I mean, Disney has him, so they might as well. Just make him do something. Uh, Detective Pikachu songs The Haunted Mansion. Let's go. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I, I just, I think, I think they need to do it. I'm, I... Disney is on a knife edge right now where they have so many spoons and so many pots and so many burners and they're something's gonna blow up well and that's just it's that's entertainment that is the world it's gonna happen but i think i think this jungle cruise could be the first film that kind of sets off a new wave of uh what are some other so you and i have talked i would like to see an adventure series for disney plus that's the enchanted tiki room that takes an action adventure plot i think that would be really fun what are some other attractions that are in any of the parks that you would love to see um, some stuff based on oh, let's oh see. the original journey into imagination uh, <laughs> <laughs> with uh, with uh, with Kurt Russell as the Dreamfinder and and okay also hear me out Aquafina as Figment. Don't kill me, internet. But, like, I think that'd be a really fun choice. She is such a kind of a fun animated voice. She's not that far off. I think that'd be really fun. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Let's see. I don't know. I feel like so many of the rides in the original Disneyland were based on films that had already mm -hmm, come out. mm -hmm. That, like, the only one I can think of that wasn't was... I, I know Autopia is not, like, original, but... 
it's the only one I can think of that isn't based off of something mm-hmm. before it was put in there. So I think it'd be interesting to have some sort of a ride, or if they rethemed the Autopia to be like Wreck-It Ralph with the racers. Sugar Rush. Hear me out. I think because um, it's the right by Tron, I think Sugar Rush would be so be much fun. it'd be super cute. Um, yeah. Cute little candy cars to drive mm-hmm, around. Mm-hmm. It'd be so much fun. Gives you another meet and greet place. It'd be great. Have, have um, Ralph and Penelope out. What else? think what, what okay disneyland paris do discovery island yeah. i believe that's what it's called or discovery aren't it's, those the it's like journeying to the yeah, side of the earth There's yeah already the jewels, a, well i mean it is but like what if the they, Moon movie from the 50s i don't think it's yeah, actually a disney yeah, movie yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but my like, father loves if, it but what if they I've actually did that times. idea of like there's this place because like I mean, Tomorrowland did not work i, I didn't no. want to talk about Tomorrowland because it was like i didn't watch it had been a it wasn't awful, but you could tell they went, oh, and we don't really know what Tomorrowland is anyway, because Tomorrowland, as soon as something opens, is it's behind. So, yeah. which all the parks are kind of dealing with now, um, except Paris, because they decided to set it in the past. But, I'm just, you know, as we try to kind of think through everything, you know, there's... Ooh, Big Thunder Mountain. Big Thunder Mountain could be cool. That would be a really fun mm-hmm. one. Something about miners in California. I would love... Uh, like, I, gold, gold miner, the gold rush. I would love for really Disney cool. to go back to their western roots, because, like, I loved oh. it. I loved Davy Crockett. I loved Davy Crockett when I was growing up. Uh, and there's just Disney, like, the... I think we're at I a mean, point... boats are still at uh, uh, they are. Disneyland. The they little are. boats. Yeah, um, you know, I think, you know, I think it's where we're at a point where you can also tell a better version of, of the old West of what actually happened. We can, um, we can do better. I think we're at a point where it's time that we do better. Um, and that's, that's not, uh, uh, was this a Disney film? Yes. Yeah. That's not the Lone Ranger. <laughs> Uh, that's not the Lone I Ranger. Think, I Let's. Think yeah, I, I think it was as well. I'm sure it was. Um, I won't lie. I enjoyed it. It's ridiculous. I, you know, it's if it is a Disney film, it is one of the few that I have not seen. I mean, it's a Gorbinsky movie. Yeah, it's, I mean, it visually is stunning. It's silly, and I disagree with some of their choices. Yes, but it does make me laugh. Yeah, Disney's the Lone Ranger. Yeah. I mean, it means uh, Army Hammer's in it, and I could look at him forever. He's beautiful, but I like mean, it makes sense for him to be a cowboy. So yes. I can live with that. But I, you know, I think also Johnny Depp is Tonto. That's just a questionable choice. And I, I mean, th- their argument is that he is part Cherokee. So uh, what okay, but right, I feel like every but... day I hear someone go, "I'm part Cherokee." It's fine. and this is not to take away from anyone out there that is from one of the nations I respect and your heritage, uh, but I feel like it's just very common. But I feel like, like there's a better rhetoric. way, yeah, to respect yeah, that I, heritage I, 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 by yeah. potentially casting someone who is from one of those mm-hmm, nations mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. instead of someone who is only partially. Yeah, but uh, I think Big Thunder Mountain could be really Big cool. Big Thunder Mountain could be super fun. Um, hear me out, Disney Plus series, great moments in history with the Muppets. Now that the show is closed, but it was so good. Please. I love the Muppets. <laughs> it was so good. So much. Um, now, also hear me out. Mm-hmm. It would be nothing like the ride, but Carousel of Progress, the movie. <laughs> I love that ride. I know there are people out there who think it is terrifying and creepy, but I love that ride. It's, it's also 15 minutes of air conditioning. It is so in much. Florida. So much air conditioning. And it's just. Walt's vision mm-hmm. for that ride is just, it's so beautiful. And like, 
I love this stupid song. It mm-hmm. gets stuck in my head. But people love it, and if they ever took it away, they, I would be so angry. Yeah, me too. I agree. And unless, I'm, I'm, unless they moved it to Disney Springs so that everyone could enjoy it. Yeah. I, I think that's a great idea. And then I would be okay with it. Mm-hmm. I also, I don't I don't understand why we haven't had a kid series that's centered around It's a Small World. Oh. Like, it'd be oh, a really cute, cute Flash animation show. I think it'd be really fun. Super you cute. know, hey, D- Disney, we're about to have our MFA, so if you want to, like, hire us, we, call us, we're, we're, we're open. We're available. We're free. We're, <laughs> we're, we're, we're not waiting by the phone. We're busy, folks, but... You know, I just. But we'd answer that phone. We will. I would answer that phone. <laughs> um, when I was an actor, they always said that two one two calls, pick it up because Broadway's calling. I will. I will answer almost any Kissimmee or Celebration phone call or Burbank. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think uh, I just this movie is such a miss, and it's it, we love watching terrible movies as much as we love watching good movies. But this one actually, it's a little heartbreaking because the mansion is so solid and so really cool i i just it's a shame but if del toro wants to do something let's let toro son do it let's let's let him do it i love him he's so good um bring all your monster friends Guillermo bring del all toro. the monsters well because that means doug jones would be in it, it means doug jones will be there. well doug jones has also talked about it too that del toro and he have talked and they haven't done anything specific but like Headbucks Ghost, Doug Jones? Like, come on. That's just a no-brainer to me. Or he could be the lovely little caretaker. He could be the caretaker. He could be a bunch of them. He could be all what of them. What actually would be really funny is if he was all three If he was all, all three, three attacking, attacking ghosts. ghosts. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I think. I also, I would kind well, of. he could just be all the ghosts mm-hmm. and it's just a one-man mm-hmm. show. Like, I think that would be really fascinating, actually. Doug Jones, call us. We will, we will make this happen. <laughs> well, Allison, it has been an absolute pleasure having you all here on the show. I mean, I, you and I spend far too much time together, but I just, as this was coming together, you know, as, as things always happen, some things fall through and I knew I couldn't have anybody but you on the show with me today. So is there anything you'd like to plug that you have coming up? Literally nothing. Literally nothing. I have graduation and it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> well, and you just opened your master's thesis and we just yes. closed it. So we that was closed. exciting. It's great. Yeah. And so if the listeners also are curious for a hip new costume designer, where can they find you online? Uh, my Instagram is amseamstress. And uh, you get to a lot of pictures of the things I'm working on and my dog, um, as well as our trips to Disney. All good things. Uh, All good things. And uh, my website is, oh, let me remember what it is, uh, allison.michelle.white at, uh, is it Wix? I think it's uh, at wixsite.com. At wixsite.com. I think if not, just Google it and it'll come up. Great. Well, thanks again, Allison. Thanks again for tuning in, Dreamers. If you like what we're doing, don't forget to tell all your friends on social media. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. It's really important because we're new and an independent podcast that you leave us a five-star review. Then you can jump over and follow us on Twitter at Dole Whip and Dream. You can follow us on Instagram on Dole Whip and Dreams. You can find us on Facebook. 
And then lastly, if you really support what we're doing, you can head over to Patreon and just type in Dole Whip and Dreams and you'll find us there. A $5 a month pledge gets you two bonus episodes a month. They come the week after our main episodes and they're anything from cast member confessions to going into like the ideology of Disney films, dramaturgy, things like queer coding of villains, these kinds of things. And you'll get those extra at only $5 a month. If you like what we're doing and you don't have that much to give, that's great. We appreciate it. There's a $2 a month, which just helps us keep everything going. And the money from our Patreon is going to help me grow what we're doing here so I can hire researchers, editors, sound mixers, writers, people to help me make this kind of beautifully magical podcast. And lastly, don't forget to check out DoleWhipAndDreamPod.com, where you can see bios on each of our week's guests, a little more information than what we were able to go into on the episode, and complete show notes for every episode so you can see our sources and kind of where I put all of our information together as well. Please join us next time when we'll go under the sea and explore the 1989 hit The Little Mermaid with award-winning actress and playwright Ashley Griffin. Now, until next time, dreamers, may your days be filled with Dole Whip and dreams.